This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. I'm Chris Bentliff, and I'm here with Nelson Tepfer and Holly Fardy from Pro CFO Partners. And I've been thinking about inside the leadership of a company, and we've got different roles that are being played by, by different people. For instance, the chief marketing officer. Maybe they're responsible for things that we can measure, like lead generation, you know, the number of new people that are coming into our, our, our business to get to know us. But maybe there's also some things that are a little bit less measurable, like brand awareness and uh, driving the imagination, perhaps, of the company. Or I've got a, a, a vice president of sales, and I can point to things that that person, I know they're doing a great job if, if sales are on the incline, and I know that there's something we got to address if sales are, are going down, but I also expect them to lead the sales energy of the company. When I look at the chief financial officer, what are some of the impacts that I should be looking for from that person? Not just the stuff that they come in and do every day, but what makes them special and valuable to an organization? Uh, it's a really interesting question. And uh, it's really changed traditionally over the last few years, right, Chris? Like, Originally, people, and Nelson and I just had this conversation earlier, it's like we build your financial systems and your reporting. Um, that's the traditional. So the impact is you have information that helps you take the company to the next level. You have systems that are stable to scale. Those are the traditional values of a CFO, very required. It's infrastructure stuff. Right. It, I call it meat and potatoes. It's the framework of a business, right? Uh, it starts... Uh, have we communicated, have we defined the goals and strategies? Have we communicated it to the team? Is there engagement? Is the revenue model clear? Do we have a path to revenue? Uh, do we have the systems to measure it? So those are the traditional roles of a CFO. And I call it the content of what mm -hmm. we do, right? But over the years, and there's been a lot of academics around this, that role has changed just like business has changed, Right. And it's moved from being an operator or a steward of the assets of the corporation uh, to, I'm, I've taken some notes here, to being the catalyst and the strategist. We actually enable. We actually help create the momentum. But this information isn't just information that uh, you can say, well, that's great information. It informs strategies. And a great example of that would be um, a company that I was working with and they're looking at their revenue and they're really happy with their revenue. We can take a look at it and say, wow, if you didn't sell this 50 clients, you could actually make more money because the cost of delivering the product to this lower 50 clients is actually more than the value we get out of it. Hmm. And they're not looking at it that way. They say, well, I'm getting 50% margin on all of my clients overall. They're not looking at it as these lower 50 clients are actually costing me an administrative cost. I don't is, want the client. Is there anybody that I've been trusting to deliver that kind of insight to this point? Or has there been just a, a blind spot to my business that for years I've been operating with just the numbers say this, therefore I'm going to make my best, maybe as a CEO, I'm going to make my best decisions. Why now is this happening? Why now is this level of insight uh, getting more um, uh, involvement than maybe it has before? I think because the consumer is smarter, mm. right? Um, access to information externally is more. 
competition is um, smarter, right? So also, I think some of it comes down to just the amount of data that now becomes more readily available to people. They unfortunately they don't always know which data or which data points to measure or which ones to look at. But in the example that Holly just mentioned. They always had direct costs that they're able to see very much more clearly lined up. Sure, this is, I'm buying it for this amount and I'm selling it for this amount. But all I was referring to was more the indirect costs, which without actual more information, you wouldn't even be able to track, measure, and manage. So when I think about this um, from, a, from, a, from a strategic perspective, it opens up all kinds of new doors for me. It opens up entirely new ways of thinking about my business that I haven't thought of before. I mean, that's especially now as we're uh, many of us are having to really scrutinize areas of, of our business that maybe we safely, as you say, Nelson, rising tides hide the rocks. Uh, now that maybe I'm seeing a few more rocks, this level of insight has never been more important for me to strategically think not just about today, I think sometimes we think about financial operations as where are we now or, or that, as we talked about before, this lagging indicator. Oh, so last quarter did this. But now part of what you're sharing for me is, is we have to start thinking, what does this mean for the next two quarters or two years or two phases of existence inside of your company? That's exactly right, Chris. I was actually approached two days ago by someone who was building a scorecard for a group that he's a part of. And his scorecard was looking at First quarter revenue, second quarter revenue, and the difference in between. First quarter profit, second quarter profit, and the difference in between. So he asked me, is there anything that else that they should look at to make this a meaningful conversation or a meaningful scorecard? And I responded with three quick things off the top of my head. One, you're looking at profit and you're looking at revenue. What about cash flow? Because cash flow is, is going to be more and more important, especially as some of the larger financial institutions are restricting what they're giving with regards to credit. But more importantly, I told him, I said, what about third quarter? You know, we're sitting here now at the end towards the end of July, and you're looking backwards at the difference between the first and second quarter. What about the third quarter? What about the fourth? What about 2021? And perhaps more importantly, what should the company be doing to make sure that they're actually going to meet those targets? What do they need to change? It's not just, oh, wait, this amount in previous, let's just add on the percentage number and assume that this is going to be this moving forward, mm. especially in times like these when everything has changed so drastically in the past few months. Uh, and, and that's exactly the point I would have, um, Nelson. Thank you for that. Because when they're looking at information without a CFO, they are looking at historical information and they're looking at data, Right. And when a CFO takes that information and projects it out into the future and almost becomes a fortune uh, future teller, right? Uh, all things being equal, this is where we're going to be based on market conditions, based on our current trends, based on we lost our best salesperson, based on uh, COVID happening. Whatever the changes are or the situation is, we can then say, based on this, this is where I see you're going to be. That's still a traditional CFO. The new CFO, the strategist, the partner says, this is what we should do. And an example of that would be a company that's a $70 million company and is using exact scorecard that Nelson mentioned. And we're looking at that $70 million company and they're a little bit below projections, six, 7% below projections, but they're very happy. They're up $7 million in new sales. They had $7 million in new business. 
So they ring the bell every time they have business. It's really super exciting. I did that exact forecasting and I looked at some trends and I saw, my God, they've lost $11 million in business. And nowhere were they looking at that. Nowhere. So now I'm saying 7 million in growth, 11 million in loss. Now project that out and look where you're going to end the year. Your delta is going to grow the rest of the year. So what we decided to do, instead of spending money on generating new business, we reallocated salespeople who were not necessarily superstar salespeople to account managers. And we doubled down our keeping our existing client base. And over three months, we tightened that delta. That's fascinating, Hale. So, so, so strategically, you got involved in many other areas of the company than one would think the the CFO gets gets involved in. So if, 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 if I am sort of historically, the value that I've been looking at from my CFO has, has almost been in the rear view mirror. I'm somehow supposed to figure out how to get to Utah by looking at what's happened in the past. And then the thinking is, well, no, your CFO can help you pinpoint where Utah is and that this, this is the roadmap you should go. But part of now what I'm hearing you both say is, no, the CFO sits next to you and helps you look at the map, but also says, well, we've got some, some construction ahead. We should turn left here and we should take this right. And I've been on this road before. And so I know it's going to be a lot smoother if we do this. That's I maybe am not used to having a co-pilot next to me. This is almost a new skill set for me. What, what do I need to start re- recalibrating inside my organization to start thinking differently strategically about this impact that you're describing? Because maybe uh, it's, it's new for me to say, you've got opinions about what I should do with my salespeople. That's interesting. Tell me more. Like, that's interesting to me. Is there, do you experience resistance with that? Or how do I get on board with where you are, are trying to take me? It depends on the trust, right? And at ProCFO Partners, we have the financial flywheel, right? So they know we're looking at everything. The way I explain it when I first start working with a client or a CFO, it's like uh, it dates me and it also geeks me out. If you imagine the Matrix movies, right? And the guys who are sitting in front of the monitors with all those green numbers coming down. Yes. Okay. That's the CFO wiring. There's a Borg wiring in us and everything I look at, is a number. You're picking right? these things out. You're, you're seeing them in real time. Hmm. Right. And I'm optimal and I'm looking at it. Uh, I have no problem saying, oh, Chris, you know, how much was your house? That's my world. Right? Yeah. There's no filter in that. I have no problem looking at that person and say, wow, that, is that person giving me 80K return on investment? Hmm. Right. And then I go to the CFO and I, um, the CEO and I say, you know, they're not working half the time. And the CEO says, culturally, they're important to me. Ah. The CEO trusts that somebody is looking at everything and it frees them up to go focus on things. They They know that somebody is looking and they know that when we're looking, we also make recommendations. So when we talk about we've lost $11 million, we need account managers, we don't want to spend money, but we have these salespeople we were thinking of, they're really good at account management, they're just not good at biz dev. They see that I'm actually doing resource allocation there. I'm not saying this is what you should do with your sales team. I'm actually supporting strategic resource allocation. That's fascinating because it's, it's almost a, um, we talked about this 
almost a compliment to the CEO. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not what I would expect when I think uh, we need somebody to get in here and help us with our numbers. You know, that's where I think, I think a lot of conversations, do you agree? A lot of conversations around CFO start with, we got to get somebody in here to help us with our numbers. And you're, you're, you're opening the, the field of vision so, so much wider. I like to think sometimes in, in context of cameras and lights, you're letting so much more light into that lens than this tiny focal point that I thought that I had. It could change the way that I see my entire business is that well, Chris? I think a lot of that comes down to the context of it. They'll they'll see that because, to your point, that's the lens that they're looking at this through. They run into this cash flow issue. From us sitting where we do is okay. You're running into this cash flow issue. Great. What does your reporting function look like to inform your cash flow reports? Before we look at what that reporting is function, what is that actually built out from the mm-hmm. financial operations and the other advisors you trust in this space? Does that reflect your revenue model that that is informed of this? Does that reflect your goals and strategies that you've outlined in order to achieve this? So they're seeing the one lens from us. We need to open it wider because it is all built together. It's not just this one area. It's indicative of the entire picture you're seeing. It's almost, uh, you're pointing out the relationships that different things have, and it's almost diagnostic in nature, you know? Do you agree? So, so uh, I've got trouble in my knee, but you're asking me what's going on with my hip, and does my neck hurt? And I'm, I'm I, why, are we, why are we talking about that? But you're helping so me. So speaking as someone married to a physical therapist, oh. that actual analogy is very, rings on very true. Yes, because if you do have a problem with the knee, you look at the gait, you look at the hip, you look at everything, yes. <laughs> And it's really interesting because we use cash flow. People look at cash flow and say, well, are we collecting? Is our AR and our collections done? Well, are we selling to collect? Right? So traditionally, uh, at the reporting level, you're saying we didn't collect enough cash. What is a CEO going to do with that? Thank you. Right? I actually had one that if I would say, I can't make payroll early in my career, they'd look at me like I just interrupted their work. Hmm. Like, by the way, I can't make payroll. And they'd look at me like, and? And it was great for me to say, I can't make payroll. However, you know, if I move this, this, and this, I can make payroll, and I'm going to renegotiate our leases. So I'll do a short-term solution. I'll do a long-term solution. That's the difference between a director of finance, a controller, and a CFO. Create the Next is brought to you by ProCFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. ProCFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, ProCFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com I think that's a really important point. One is very tactical. Here is information and now you go deal with it. And one is far more strategic. Here's information and I've analyzed some outcomes and I have some suggestions and here are my recommendations, which yes. is a, a, a pretty important role <laughs> to, to offload some of those, that thinking from others. As you pointed out earlier, the, the, the VP of sales doesn't need to get in there and start solving these problems. This CFO can have a real, 
real practical role in managing some of these issues that are happening day to day for leaders inside of a company. Yeah, you have, again, let's go back to matrix. Everything in the company, everything in the company, tangible and intangible ends up at our table. Mm. Has a cost associated with it, opportunity cost or hard cost, right? So we're the only ones who see it all. The CEO shouldn't see it all. They should know it's there. They should have access to the information. But today's CEO doesn't even want to see financial information. They want to see a dashboard, right? They want to open up their iPhone and they want to see a dashboard of graphs on their iPhone. That's how they're running the metrics of the financials of the business, right? They want to know that's accurate. And then when they're meeting with the CFO, they want to know, okay, I see some trends. What are we doing about it? And then their role is going to be direction and input. So the CFO gets it to a point where the CEO can do direction and input instead of figuring out why. So is that, is, is that a new skill set for the CEO uh, to, to look at things with a, more of a strategic perspective based on some of the things we talked about earlier? Everything is changing, the marketplace and all these things. Or is that in response to, uh, I guess my question is, do I need to be doing some different things as a leader in the company? Do I need to be thinking differently about things uh, so that I understand the value that I should be asking from my CFO or the impact that I should be looking for? So or do I need to be uh, ask? do I need to look for that assistance from that strategist to show me what I should be thinking about, to show me what I should be looking for? So what yes. we've seen very often is, is it's as the company evolves, that CEO role needs to shift. So we get asked the question, you know, I had this come up recently where it's like, okay, great. You know, I bought this company this number of years ago. I've been the CEO, COO, CFO of this company as it's grown. But now I can't fill all three roles because there's too much pulling me in two different directions. Mm. So he's starting a conversation with us to say, okay, what are the things that you can step in to do? And our conversation with him is, okay, what is it you're trying to achieve? This is how we can structure this to help you achieve those goals as we look further out to say, okay, this is how we can grow. This is how we can scale. This is how we can build this function for you the right way to support that growth and scale. Holly, anything to add? Yeah, so it has to do with the size of the company. It has to do with the... Um, if a CEO approaches their business with beginner's mind, it has to do with how much of a visionary they are, right? Can you imagine being a CEO of a $30 million company and having to worry about, am I buying or leasing the car, hmm. right? You want to know that's taken care of, right? You want to know that somebody is looking at it and saying, look, I can enable the salesperson to do X, Y, and Z if I do X, Y, and Z, It'll bring this much money in. They're out there creating a new product line. They're not worried about, you know, the finances of the business. They get to do what a CFO can't do, what a sales manager can't do, a COO can't do. They're creating the new product line. They were out there in the world and found a competitor they're going to acquire. Now, imagine that you're out there whining and dining and deciding the best price to, for a competitor and someone calls you and says, um, our profit margin on XY section has gone down because I can't do vendor purchasing power is a blah, 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 blah. CEO's like, what? Like, fix it. Just fix it. <laughs> Just fix it. <laughs> Tell me if you need some direction and input, right? Tell me if you uh, want to know, is there another vendor out there that I can play against each other? But go fix it. 
Um, Chris, I think to summarize that one, it depends on the evolving CEO. Really good CEOs, as their companies evolve, recognize where their value to the organization is and build their team around them that supports it, of which the CFO is obviously one of the key pieces. Uh, We absolutely have seen many CEOs. Every CEO is different in their personality and how they make the decisions. There are some who need to see every single detail. You know, as a company is smaller, you know, they have the they have the freedom and flexibility to 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 engage with with, with their information like that. But as they grow, they can't spend that same amount of time, energy, reach, researching every single aspect, reviewing every single piece of data. It needs to be summarized in a way that they can make the decision, and that's the context we'll provide for them to say, okay, yes, this is what we need to decide. These are the three different things. This is what we think we should do and why. Great. But it depends on the CEO how much they're involved in many of the aspects of their own company. We've seen some which are still involved in every single aspect that is yes or no basis. And there are some which are just, just take care of it. I don't want to know about it. Do you find that there's a, almost a, a temporal uh, phenomenon to this or legacy phenomenon to this? So are the conversations you're having with the, the young upstart, the startup, with maybe the the twenty something or even the early thirty something CEO who is really dynamic and in touch with digital and is 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 understanding this immediacy and, and marketplace kind of dynamics in a different way than maybe the CEO of a you know twenty five year veteran of a family business that's in its third generation. How are those situations different uh, as we talk about some of these things? So I've seen really, it's fascinating to me and what we do. I've really seen, even within those segments that you identified, such differences. I've seen the third generation family businesses where the CEOs who come in are so dynamic and so engaged with actually doing it and driving the company forward. I've seen second generation ones struggle because they were totally disengaged from the company. It was just like almost on autopilot for them. I've seen other ones at the second, third, fourth generation even come in and entirely revamp the company and quadruple the company's size. At the same time, I've seen the startup CEOs stumble and fail because they did not recognize where their role and value and build everything else around them. I've seen other ones, same type of thing, you know, literally 10x inside of a year or two, just based on what they were able to do with what they built around them. So I've, I've seen it from what I've seen. I don't think there's any way to categorize it in one way, shape or form. I've seen really seen quite a few different ones. How about you, Holly? For me, it's um, the first generation ones, bootstrapped, started in their own garage, wore all the hats themselves, did it all, worked really hard, worked 80 hours and created a great company. You know, second generation, I've had a lot of the experiences Nelson has. Third generation, they want work-life balance. They're smart and savvy, have access to information and bring in experts. So they don't want to know a lot of what they, they want to do what they love doing, Hmm. right? Hmm. And they're a little bit more aware that of the difference between, a little bit more aware of the difference between a CFO and a director of finance because they know the difference between HR and director of people and culture. Uh. So they know there's a different contextual space in a company, right? And they understand they're taught strategy differently in college if they go to college than we were taught strategy. For us, strategy was set a goal, go by 10%, build a couple of points at the end on your EBIT, right? So for them, strategy is purpose-driven. So when a CFO is talking to them about why are we doing this and what do we hope to achieve, right? They know they need to address that before we get into the numbers and the content of how we're going to do it. 
So that I have noticed that difference in millennials or, you know, 30-year-olds versus 50 and 60-year-olds. Uh, 60-year-olds, when I would give him a chart, he would say, show me the money. I, was like, I mean, the, the client would literally say, I do not pay you to show me pretty pictures. Like, give me results. Okay. And um, um, newer companies, uh, we're working with a startup right now who wants to say, why are we doing this? Mm. And explain, let me, let me come from a place of understanding before we do it. That's the difference that I see. And uh, so it's, it's a little bit more, um, they're open, they're more open and uh, actually desire it more than the first generation. The level of curiosity is a little bit uh, different. It's really interesting. It's almost curiosity and apathy. They really don't want to make payroll. <laughs> it's not why they started a company. They, I mean, they want to make payroll. They don't want to do it. They really don't want to look at detailed financial statements. They'd like a chart. Yeah. Right? T tell me, they, they don't, if they're building something or if they're changing social enterprise, Right. Yeah, they want the systems and processes behind it taken care of. Yes, get me benefits. They don't want to know how we're getting the benefits. They want us to build the systems and processes for employment talent management, right? With the HR department. So, fascinating stuff, Nelson and Holly. Thanks for uh, talking today with me about the impact of the modern CFO. Every time we talk, uh, my mind goes in seven thousand different directions about just how dynamic and exciting um, uh, these conversations are, which again, isn't always words that we use to describe uh, the financial functions of an organization, but like everything else, these things are, are evolving and moving today. Uh, thank you both so much for your, your valuable you know expertise what? and insights. I do want to share something though, Chris, because we just talked about some history in many, 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 many years ago. You know, uh, when I was younger, I had a Daffy Duck amount of, you know, no one even knows what a Daffy Duck is, but it was a little plaque on my desk that said, better, faster, cheaper, right? We're still doing that. Yeah. We're still, all this context talk and strategy and the new CFO, our impact is still with an expert CFO, you're going to do it better, you're going to do it faster, you're going to do it cheaper. So you're going to make more money, you're going to grow the business faster. That's the true impact. Bottom line Daffy Duck. <laughs> Better, faster, cheaper. <laughs> Way to bring it down. <laughs> well, that's the true impact of a CFO. Thank you both so much. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.